Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Viking Psychology Podcast. Today, we are going to be doing some real talk about mental health. We are on a mission today, and we're calling that mission the Battle Against the Shadows. I have a great guest about to come on, and we are going to dive heavily into this. So, strap in and stay tuned. And welcome back. Today, I've got John from Wired Differently here. This is a man who's not just an expert in mental health, but he is on the front lines fighting the good fight, advocating for those who can't advocate for themselves. John, my man, thank you for being here. I know you don't need an introduction, but please introduce yourself to everybody. All right. Well, I'm just um, an ex-military guy. I did um, close, close to 11 years, I believe. Um, served as well as uh, as a police officer, frontline um, constable, for six years total, uh, city police, and uh, until like I was permanently restricted to to serve. So I was diagnosed with uh, uh, CPTSD with dissociation, which that part is now health uh, healed, <laughs> healed. So sorry. Um, then <laughs> what else? Major depressive disorder. I got the ADHD that kicked in. Uh, I mean. No, there's people who have a lot of little letters at the, at the end of their words, but I have the same. I get my name and I have all this freaking diagnosis. But what I faced with this, I think it's, uh, or what I discovered is, is the, the stigma of not knowing around it. Uh, mm-hmm. And while, while being sick, I live in a small town close to Calgary. I actually tested it in the town. I would go to the place and, you know, because you, you go to the same shop, it's a small town, they start to know you. And one of the guys uh, where I always had good conversation, where I bought my, my dog food, looked at me and he's like, so how's the military police, something you are like this, right? And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't work. And he's like, well, what's going on? And I'm like, oh, I got PTSD. And then he took my box of food and he walked me out. Um, and I did not take it wrong. It's just he did not know what to deal with. Like, what right. is this type of sickness? Because you seem to be fine. What is the perspective do you have in the world, and so on and so forth, right? What is this? And uh, and I mean, as much as we know what PTSD is, what has been trans transparent? Uh, to, 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 what has been shown to media is as veterans who are going going nuts and, and killed. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, it, it did happen, but it happened more in movies than in real life, right? No, absolutely. So there's those things, and life is not all good. Right, uh, I think I think the population are pretty lucky to be sometimes naive on what's going on in our world. Uh, we're not like most of Canadian soldier, and I, I will guess here, but I'm going to talk to myself. We're better served in the U.S. than we are in Canada. Uh, like they're they're treating people who serve better. No, I I, I do agree with you on that. Like I have firsthand knowledge that like even our drone program, we actually delayed it. Because they wanted to make sure they had the mental health uh, people in place before these pilots had to go from video game of bombing places to their kids' soccer game within an hour and and not having that decompression time. Like we've we've taken the mistakes that the Americans have made and the British and everybody else, and we're trying to get ahead of it before it happens. So I agree with you. I think we are a little bit ahead of other places for for mental health, but. Why I wanted you on here today is because I think that though we try to be ahead, 
I don't think we do a very good job. I know that for like myself, I also have been diagnosed with PTSD. And the first person I was sent to, a civilian uh, head doctor, he didn't understand, well, or to me, he didn't understand what military first responders, what we go through. Because he kept trying to treat it like, and he kept bringing it up, like a car accident, like a car accident. He's like, or sexual assault. And I, and I got mad one day. And I'm like, well, a sexual assault victim or a car accident victim, they didn't ask to be in those situations. It happened to them. A soldier, a police officer, we put ourselves into that. Like we knew what we were getting into. It just sometimes it was more than what we expected. Now, that's what I wanted to ask you. Like, John, what is the right type of help? So based on back is uh, to each their own. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, I, don't, I don't think there's one way of doing it for people. Right, uh, and, and for the same reason, that's why you have various type of, you know, you have EMDR, ART, you have uh, talking about it over and over and over until you're totally saturated. You have equine therapy. You have, I mean, you can go to plant medicine, right? Uh, which I'm, right. I'm visiting now, which I find extremely interesting. Um, <laughs> and personally, I, I was totally against. It. I mean, I, I was against first weed, right? Mm -hmm. Because I arrested people for it, right? So I find that I was kind of a a fraud to say now I'm smoking weed every night to fall asleep, right? So ethics and and so on and conflict, but to each their own, right? There's something you need to find, but you need to find your roots. And and I think a lot of us are also, um, I won't say predetermined to get it mental health wise, but uh, if you're neurodivergent, apparently you're you're shuffling way more into having chance to have PTSD. Um, if you're looking into Gabor Mate and he talks about ADHD, he's talking about trauma, like trauma coping. That's what ADHD uh -huh. is for his definition of things. So huh. are we having like childhood trauma and then going in the military, right? And remain sometimes little boys as well because we like to play with guns and that. Uh, right. <laughs> but then we're facing other things, right? We're facing other things and, and then it makes things way worse because we didn't deal with the, the, the childhood trauma and whatever like young young adults and so on and then we're breaking most of the things that were making you to be uh perfect for the service now obviously things change right the military changes with the time and, and it's probably not as pushy as it used to be and so on and so forth and we have rights now in the military and, and whatnot since i think 2001 or 1999 i'm not quite sure right. date, but um so I, I don't think there's a perfect map 2001, uh, there's not a perfect map to tell us what it is for you, what it is for me. I think we need to discover it, right? But it would be great that we have guidance, right? Uh, there's, a, there's a program called the BOS um, program that has just been released. It's from Dr. Megan. Um, I'll give you the name after. I'll, I'll find okay. it. Uh, she's she's a very good. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Michael Roy. I think that's that's the name, but don't quote me on this. Um, and what she does is cool. before operational stress. That's what it means, BOS. Right. Um, and, and and she's trying to teach like you know the signs that you have to see, so people don't wait fifteen years, twenty years, thirty years to ask for help because right. those jobs trauma will happen. It comes with yep. it, right? You see 
what you should not, like what the rest of the population should not see. The military, you go to war, you go in places that are not necessarily the same as what we have here, different culture, different way of living, and sometimes it goes against our own values. Mm-hmm. And for first responder, you deal with the 5%, 2%, 5%, whatever that is, that are the crisis people, which that's what you deal 24-7 with. So right. it's, it's, it's not necessarily a big trauma, like, like you were talking about an accident, right? A collision. Yeah. Uh, they, they try to not call it an accident anymore because an accident would mean it's not your fault, right? So it's a collision, right. apparently, they call it. Anyway. <laughs> but I think, I think it's caught, like you're cutting yourself a million times a bit with, with what you're exposed. Um, and the, with the military is when what they teach us very well is to not feel. Yeah. Feeling is not important. And it's it's not. Truly, it, I don't think it, it is it is important. Uh, you go to war, you need to have your, your brain into the black and white. Like, am I under, like, am, I, am I a threat? Or am I under threats? Or what it is, yeah. right? To make that decision and carry on uh, versus, like, something that would happen at home, right? Like, I can have compassion and empathy and so on and so forth. Um, but that, that's my personal view on things again. Uh, so we are constantly, and, and trauma can be as small as being yelled at, right? There's something that people need to understand as well. There's no measurement, right? It depends how it affects you. Um, huh. and, and what is your state of mind during the day, right? Like, if, if someone never been into the screaming aspect, right? Never been screamed at and so on. So now when they get screamed at, they shut down. That's their coping mechanism. But they're in full-on avoidance from shutting down. They cannot interact, they cannot talk, they cannot, you know. So, but that's a coping mechanism that you have due to trauma. So to unpack all of this, you need to have someone who knows how to talk our language, right. which uh, I, I do believe it cannot be a brand new uh social worker, brand new uh, psychologist, therapist, whatever you want to call that. They cannot be yeah. brand new, right? They need to have somewhat of a backup background to be exposed to what we're being exposed. Um, for their own health, that's the other aspect. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know for you, but if you hear trauma stories five times a day, five hours a day, it's heavy to carry. You have only your trauma to, to carry and we're, we're having our, our own diagnosis. Imagine the person who listened to us. And, and no, and I totally agree with you on that. Yeah. I actually know a story of, uh, she was a head psychiatrist at the prison um, in Drumheller there. And so all of her workers would tell, come to, it was mandatory that they came to her and would have a session once a month. And she ended up having a breakdown because she wasn't mandated to talk to anybody. Right, yeah. so she ended up falling falling into that that trap because you're right that you have to have somebody to talk to you. Um, but what I'm, what also gets me is it feels like it's now a business. Do you know what I mean? Like, like they they want to help you. The but at the same time, the longer they have you there, the more money they make, especially when. Coming from the military, from VAC or whatever, they know it's a guaranteed paycheck. They know they're getting paid. They know that they're not going to have to chase you down to pay their bill. Somebody's paying it. And I, I, 
I don't know. Maybe I'm just being a little jaded towards the one. It, it just feels like how do we find like how do we find the guy or the gal that isn't just there to make a paycheck? Do you, do you know what I mean? Yes. So, um, okay. So I'll, I'll go with this. I was eight years old. My my father was working as a psychologist in a jail where kids murdered their parents. And mm -hmm. uh, we got called out in the middle of the night because uh, he had, uh, well, he had a broken nose. So something happened. But what followed with this is the entire setup of depression, burnout, and so on and so forth. Not necessarily PTSD, but mental health aspect. Right. Um, and after six months of being off and recovering, and could barely get up of his of his bed, he went to see another psychologist to get assessed. And the guy's like, "You should never go back for at least a good a, a good a year." So he drove back home, and the psychologist made an assessment saying he's ready to go tomorrow. So in between them, there's a little bit of uh, backstabbing. Yeah. Um, right. Now that's 1994. So I heard that stories. Uh, and I was kind of really worried. But what I also heard is you got to find someone who fit with you. Because it's not true that every psychologist will speak your language. We're all unique, right? Although we're all the same in the military, we're all unique as well. I'm going to push it that way. With the, 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 the Veterans Affairs system, because a lot of us, a lot of vets complain about it, right? Or RCMP, mm -hmm. they, they have access to it now too. Um, they're just on an old program that they receive more money than we can. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, we, we bitch about it, we complain about it. Now, the civilian side of things is, is worse. I'll, I'll put it like this, right? The WCB or WSIB when you're in Ontario. Mm -hmm. If we compare apples to apples, because that's what I'm doing with back and them, because they're both insurance, technically. I got followed because they thought I was doing fraud because I wrote a book, right? Um, and I mean, no you're way. following the cops. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to realize you're following me. And that was yeah. the one time a day I got out for an hour to walk. So I drove to the dog park and the car would follow me and uh, just to make sure I was not a fraud. And then they called my supervisor, like Calgary police at that time, and they got a full on investigation for fraud against me. Uh, meanwhile, uh, they never paid for any of my therapy, any of my medication. That was all back. That was paid. They were just paying my salary. Right. Which they were paying, I think sixty percent, and my association yeah. was covering the rest. So, and they're they're aggressive to push you back to work. Mm -hmm. uh, they don't care if you do have a relapse, right? Because relapse are worse, right? If you relapse on PTSD or depression and so on, it's like falling double down, right? So it makes you restart from the beginning. They don't care. That that's their job is to send you back to work, um, versus. The system that we have with VAC, first thing first, we have injury that we're covered for the rest of our life, right? If yeah. you have PTSD, you're allowed to 25 sessions a year uh, until you die. Uh, your medication will always be covered as long as it's under whatever you made as a claim for pain and suffering. The wheel is rolling. Now, is there a problem? 100%. Did you know that case manager are not in the know of what you're allowed to apply? They're not. No, I did not know that. No. And, and some of them actually did the study, right? But giving you an example, because I, I left the WCB $110,000 salary a year for the $50,000 salary of VAC because I was better treated. 
Um, but when I, I went to WCB and I'm like, okay, I got a question. I'm like cover for life with VAC. Is this is the same? Because I was injured as well while being a police officer. Right. And they're like, well, I'll tell you how it works. And I was like, all right, let's see how it goes. <laughs> if you have a leg that is cut off, right? For XYZ reason during work, you're going to receive 30, 40, $50,000, whatever the cost that they give. Like that's a black and white number in the books. When it comes to mental health, he's like, you might receive $5,000, but they will do for the next 10 years assessment every three months, which if you suffer from mental health, there's not, there's progress in three months. There's not, it's not usually fully healed in three months, right? right? There's progress right. to it and there's, there's steps to be done. Um, and doing an assessment is revisiting the entire trauma set. So you do that four times a year, times 10, 40 times. Usually those assessments is, are stepping back for you because you have to go back into where you were that you might have made peace with, right? So uh-huh. extremely re-traumatizing to get $5,000. So what she told me, black and white, is they're going to push you until you, you want to leave. That's what they're Right. Um, meanwhile, with VAC, they're like, yeah, you're right. You have this and this and this. I mean, I received a harmony plate on my shoulder. I think I was a private first year. I worked in Montreal, a long point base, and uh, it was in the paperwork. I went to the hospital the day after, and they're like, uh-huh. yeah, you're right. Here you go. You're covered for the rest of the year. Uh, yeah, rest of your life. You can go to the physio, covered, no problem. Boom. Simple. And it should be simple. Should be absolutely. There's a there, there's a time to wait, and I mean, there's a time to process any claims, right? As a clerk, there's a time to process freaking <laughs> uh, claims, right? Uh, it, it just happened, and it, it's a big machine, right? We're what six hundred thousand veterans right now who are dealing with VAC. It's a big yeah. machine. Is it a money maker? Well, yes, yes, it is. Uh, like I said, I use uh, cannabis at night to fall asleep because. Uh, eight different medication for sleeping did not work. And I tried them. I was like, I was either not sleeping, being stuck in a nightmare, no terror, or yeah. my wife would wake up the next day and I would wake up like, it was a great night. And she would like, no, you fucking grab my hair, you wink it back, you kick me a few times. Jeez. She's like, I think you were stuck in a fight. And uh, I was like, yeah, yes. So it sounds like a, actually like something that happened was I was a cop, right? So, um, so we had those medications were not back. She's like, you don't t- take that pill again tonight. I'm not getting beat up, right? Well, yeah, you sleep. yeah, no shit. Um, meanwhile, the the weed, which uh, gummies, right? Uh-huh. I'm not a fan necessarily of the smell itself, but gummy gummies got me asleep. If I don't stay in the kitchen, I'm okay. I don't have the munchies. Right. Uh, the first year they gave me thirty grams, which is I probably use 10, 15 grams a month. And when I did my assessment. Uh, with the nurse the following year for the renewal on my uh, on my prescription, she's like, "What do you think about it? Perfect, it's just enough." Using this, 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 this. She's like, okay. Then Aurora called me and they're like, "You have sixty grams now in month." Like I just said that I was good at ten. Why? And now I have ninety grams this year. So is it a cash cow? I would I would not be surprised that weed right now is one of the most expensive thing that back has to pay. Yeah, uh, but they don't recognize service dog. Yeah, that that blows my mind. Well, it's a seven thousand dollar cost once for the next twelve years. 
<laughs> so you'd, you'd think that would be the no-brainer, especially if the, the companion pet, the service dog, would be able to reduce that member's uh, anxiety, anxiety and stress. Yeah, stress. You know, but there's no that there's some. Make. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Okay, now I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Great, great, great. great. So, um, as same as you know, I'd be curious. I never saw the price of my medication. Like I might have to pay a dollar or two every time when I go to the pharmacy. Mm -hmm. But how much are they charged to give me that meds? Right? How much VACA are actually paying after the fact? Yeah, that's the interesting piece as well because we forget about that. Right. Um, so. Is there a cash cow money? Yes. Um, like, like I was talking about the, 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 the microdosing. I'm mm -hmm. on a class right now that is mindfulness and microdosing. I have to pay my own mushroom, like in capsule. But the course is uh, $1,700, uh, which were uh, American and Canadian first responder military vets in it. Because okay. we are pretty similar in our service. Right. Back doesn't cover that. But, but it's, a, it's a mindful group, mindfulness group. Yeah, mm -hmm. but there's, there's microdosing. Okay, you just allowed fentanyl for under 18 years old in Vancouver. Why yeah. can I have a little pills that it's not even getting you high? It's making peace with traumas. Yeah. What, what is the difference, right? Um, so it, it is a very interesting system when it's pick and choose based on what they want. Right? Um, because I'm sure that fentanyl is extremely cheap to make. Right? So I've it's heard, yeah, block. it's all made in the lab. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it's from China. From um, China. <laughs> it is. It is. And it, it's from, uh, it comes, there's two ports that comes a lot. Vancouver ports, and I think it's LA, uh, where you have a lot of entry uh, of fentanyl. Right? And now you have car fentanyl, where you cannot survive. You die, you die. Yeah. Uh, you can quit. But... So those medical system, well, just we, we can go for a long time when we talk about this, where we, we've been three years, like where we're, we're locked up and they refuse, like Jorgen was talking about the pill that he took. I don't remember the name exactly uh, of the pill, but you look at the cost, it's $3 per pill. Meanwhile, the vaccine was $3,000 per person. Oh, ivermectin. Ivermectin, yes. So that was $3 a pill yeah. versus the shot that was $3,000 per person. Now. Whatever, let's say the numbers were correct, and 92% of people in Canada got vaccinated at least once. At least well, once. We're yeah. Talking about, yeah, we're talking about billions. Right? Yeah, we are talking about billions. You're right. So, yeah, I guess you're, you're right. It doesn't matter which part of trauma therapy there is, it, there's money to be made, whether it's the, uh, the psychiatrist prolonging the, the therapy or if it's the, the drugs that they're giving you and the ones that they want you to be staying on regardless of the uh, side effects. So yeah, uh, that does that. Yeah. That answered my question on that. Now we talked offline and you'd mentioned yeah. uh, reconnecting with, with nature and physical activities as a way of, of helping one's oneself get through this. Just touch on that a yeah. little bit. Sure. So I think it's a year and a half ago. A uh, year and a half ago, I found myself still in my house. I would not leave much. I would probably stay in my little town, go to grocery in the odd hours where there's nobody, so I don't interact with people, and still mm -hmm. kind of working into getting out again. Um, 
so the kind of first thing I've done was to put myself uh, outside barefoot, two feet in the snow, freezing, uh, and then doing breath works, right? Uh, which brought okay. would bring me back right back home. But the pain of my feet being freezing would stop the pain here. So it's kind of okay. same effect as a tattoo. Right? You, you're getting a tattoo. Your pain is not there. It goes in your skin, uh, yeah. which I find that a lot of people who have tattoo also have sometimes traumas. But that's that's another conversation. That's another um, conversation. <laughs> yeah, it, it is another one. But we're 45 minutes from uh, you know Banff Park, uh, from Kananaskis, and so on and so forth. Uh, Beautiful areas. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And it, it's, I mean, we used to see the mountains from, from here, but um, we would go there because first my salary had been cut off of half. So the activities we could do were not as grand, if you want, that, that we could. But going outside is fantastic. So it would give us a good workout. We could put a baby in a you know backpack and uh, here we go. So I enjoyed those time all the time. Like there was something that would calm me down, bring me back in my head, uh, versus staying at home and being being stuck in the past, right? Yeah. So that brought that back. The the pain as well of carrying a backpack, like in the good old days of rucksack. Rucksack march. You're you're, yeah. There's a connection to it. I was the asshole in the rucksack march who freaking sing songs and I get shut down because my song sucks, but uh, because. You, you have the choice to make it horrible or fun, mm-hmm. right? Like it, it's up to you. Um, so I reconnected there. Uh, I did uh, the walk out of wounded when they did in, in, in uh, Kenmore. I think it was a 80 K I did 40. I, I couldn't do the 40 because I was not prepared for that at all. I did 32 <laughs> and I was like, Jesus and, and the mountains, right? Like hiking up the mountains and so on. I was like 32 K. My shoulder were done. Um, I did the um, Let's Walk It Out in North Carolina, where uh, mm-hmm. we did, it was a 222 miles rucksack march in 10 days, uh, roughly 35K a day, a uh, bunch of vets, and we were just walking it off. There is something as well, a dopamine seeking you get there, right? Mm-hmm. You, you get that dopamine where you calm down and everything is okay. There's no drugs. There's nothing there. It's just you connecting with you. So that was a big thing. And I mean, a, a lot of people think that they cannot do anything anymore, right? Um, because, well, now I, I don't have the same salary or I find that I'm, uh, I'm stuck at home. I don't want to get out and so on and so forth. You can still do big things and have fun staying in a place where your brain doesn't go hypervigilant or hyper hyper. Uh, aroused um that is for me what helped and, and honestly i'm not a big physical person i did the gym i love the gym is fun whatever that is mm-hmm. uh but i was not necessarily a camping guy i find the military kind of screwed up with the camping um a little bit uh, <laughs> that's my own touch here uh but but i'm starting to relove it and i mean we went this summer with my oldest we went camping and it was kind of great Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's hit and miss, man. I think I think for me it worked, and I figured that others would would work for them as well. Um, there's no correct path, but those walk. When I look at them, I was never necessarily alone doing them. 
Yeah, it's good. So the camaraderie, too. the brotherhood, uh, the, the, the group aspect. Yeah. Uh, when we did the um, Canadian Walk for Veterans that Chance Burroughs used to uh, to run or represent, yep. um, I couldn't walk in Calgary because I had like those flashbacks from whatever some of the calls I was in. So it was right. getting me so stressed out. Um, so the first year I organized with uh, Grant from uh, Honey Badger. Uh, right, we yeah. did Kenmore to Banff and back. Which was uh, fifty-five kilometers in one day. Jeez, uh, that's a good walk too. It, it, it was a good walk, and it was a. It's in the mountains again, right? It smells yeah, good. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah, it, it, yeah. It, 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 so we did this, and the camaraderie again that we had, the conversation we had, was amazing. I mean, the, the second, third year we did it. Brent was not there, but there's now people, a civilian who followed us, who came with us. Mm -hmm. They wanted to hear the story and, and see the, the, the different type of mentality we have. The guy beside me, who I walked with, which was kind of funny because he's like six foot seven, I'm five seven, uh, way taller than I am, is a guy that I met in the murder scene oh, wow. when I was a cop. And he was telling a story at one point, talking about someone who had been killed. Uh, I was like, wait a minute. He's like, I think he said Mike. I'm like, is it Mike so and so? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, I was the first cop on that call. And he went home that night and he looked through his paperwork and the witness statement was signed by me. Like no four way. years after. No way. Yeah. Which now we're like, we're great, great friends. But all, all it comes down to when I look at this is that camaraderie that I think somewhat I, I personally missed from the military. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't see the brotherhood in the policing world. Right, it's not the same family uh, at all. And, and I mean, I, I I recorded as well on my podcast this week with a Toronto coppers, and he said, "Brotherhood is gone." It's yeah, I far. I actually saw that post waiting for you to uh, to to come on tonight, and it hit me because I feel that way with the military today because. Switching from the army to the air force, it's kind of that's what I'm where I'm at now. I feel with the changes that we brought into the forces, that that brotherhood, that that camaraderie was one of the things they really tried hard to get rid of, right? And yeah. it, it like hit like his words were like we're we're hitting home because you're right. Without that that community, without that brotherhood, sisterhood, whatever you want to call it, yeah. it 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 makes it lonely. It's a lonely place, especially when you're dealing with the type of trauma that, you know, that, that we do, like whether you're a police officer, or EMT, a firefighter or a military member, the shit we see, you need to have those like-minded people around you to make sure that, you know, you're, that you're not seeing it wrong. You know, like when you have like the chats like that you and I are having, um, you know, that you're not alone. You know, there's somebody else who's been there and there's he, you know, he pulled himself out of the hole. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it, it gives you hope. That's the other yeah. thing, right? So you see someone, um, I have two friends who went to do a ayahuasca. And um, for one who don't know, is you drink a plant, uh, it's usually South America. Let's go with that. Or Mexico. Mm -hmm. It's illegal in North America. Um and then you have vision, you have purging, which is usually puking or pooping and whatever that is. And, and then you, know, you reconnect with yourself somehow, right? right. It's short form here, but it's yep. a few nights of, uh, of, of practice. And um, 
when I met them again, there was something so light. Like, where's your anger gone? And I was like, okay, where's your ready to go? Right? Like the, the, the military build us that way, right? To be ready to go. Something happened. That's why you're there 15 minutes in advance. Ready. Right? Yep. And uh, he's like, gone. I'm like, I want to get rid of that thing. <laughs> I would love to go back to that. I won't say naive, but just not having that. Am I getting excited? Like, yeah. 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 So um, hearing this, give hope. Hearing uh, a guy like, let's say, like Seb Lavois, who has that Teflon mindset. Oh, my God, does uh, he ever. Yeah. And, and I mean, I have, I have a few friends like this around, and I, I'm not this. I'm not that guy. The guy I overly feel, I find stuff, and and I, I would I would say it's probably the ADHD or neurodivergent kind of side of person <laughs> that I have, uh, where I people will say empath. I just I just think I can feel whatever I feel, and I feel others. It's just so I see it. Um, but people like this makes me believe that yeah, you can heal. I mean, like Seb Lavoie is a good example. He made the choice to remove a part of his uh, leg, and. Mm-hmm. For the past three weeks, and I'm sure he has hard days. I'm not gonna take that away. Yeah. For the past three weeks since it happens, the guy post, and I'm shocked every time how his mindset is not going down. No, and it's and like, like bring me another positive. one. And like how driven he is. Like I've seen people with lesser in, like injuries, and they shut down, and it takes them months, weeks, years. To get back to who they were, Seb, he's like, he's determined. Like, and, and it's awesome to see. It's like, it's it's amazing. Yeah, it, it's it's. Well, I mean, in him, there's a few things, right? You see a leader. There's a leader like no no others, yeah. uh, and he's willing to take care of his people, right? And, and the the people he has now is a community, right? Which is interesting as, as well, because when he went down, the people were there for him. Yeah. Uh, two years, three years ago, when he was in uh, Toronto and he had a surgery there, like how many people like went for him to just support him? Same as right. when he was at the hospital a month ago. Um, and I, I think this is the other thing we're missing. First thing first, uh, I, I love. Like, I'm not going to say that a PLQ is a perfect thing, right? But it's what ten weeks, ten or eight weeks, yeah. of course. Yeah. So. So you still have a good amount of knowledge to gather because the military doesn't do it only eight hours a day. They do whatever as much as you can just have in your brain, right? Or until they're tired to teach you. Um, police system to become a sergeant is a, a week of five days of eight hours shift. That's it. And you can, you can pass the test after. Wow. You're, not, you're not becoming a leader then. You're becoming a manager. And that there's yeah. a big difference, right? A leader, and, and it's not everyone who's born a leader, but you can develop some of the characteristics. If you if you know your, yourself, if you know what type of personality you are and what you want to become and so on and so forth. Right? Um, but we're we're seeing less and less leader in society. That's true. Like when is the last time we saw a prime minister who's a leader? Oh my gosh. Right? It's been a like, while. And, and, and that, yeah, and I'm not taking one side more than the other. I'm just saying in general, right? Um, there is those things that we're lacking. We're not. We're having a lot of people, and, and this is one I find one of the reasons why. Right? We talked about that just before, right? That, that monster thing. Uh, 
right? But uh, I, uh, and I've seen it as a cop as well. I mean, when we were kids, you were needing, uh, let's say, an egg, two eggs, flour. You go to the neighbor. You don't go to the grocery store, right? Because you were yeah. close enough that, you know, you could borrow an egg or two eggs. And then whatever you get the eggs, you just switch it off and everything is good to go. I was surprised to see how many cops, people are calling the cops to say, the music is too loud. Go talk to them. Yeah, I know, right? That's insane. Yeah, the, the, there's no communication. Now, if you don't have communication in general, it makes life pretty impersonal. Mm -hmm. um, but pretty lonely, right? Because I believe that solitude is a good thing. Solitude should be your best friend, right? That means that you're sitting very well with yourself. You're very yeah. happy with, not very happy with who you are, but you can be alone and still not going crazy or having the need to have a phone or interact or whatever that is. Now people cannot be alone because they have their phone, right? If they want to be brain numbing, they're going to scroll for hours and count me in. I do it, right? There's days where it's a bit shittier. So I just scroll on baby. Um, but there's days where you need to be a bit more aware, right? Like we have kids. That's another thing. We need to interact with them, but we need to teach them what is to be a, a good kid, having good manners, having good, uh, and because they have access to all that material now, I, I'll tell you this, I mean, and I swear, I was swearing way more when we were offline, but it's, you know. um, <laughs> English is not my first language and I learned English in the military, right? Like I right. failed it in school. Uh, I had to do summer class for English and so on <laughs> and so forth. Now I cannot, I, I can barely write in French. And if I speak to my parents, sometimes I look for my words and I sound more like an Acadian using like English words in the French, like verb tense and so on and so forth. Right. Yeah. Um, so we're missing that communication. We're missing that interaction. We're missing teaching that and going down, down the road. Not only that, we're, we're missing the time because life is extensive, right? It is, yeah. uh, we've seen it in Alberta. It went super high and then it's going down. But there's other places where it's still super high and it's not going down. I mean, Vancouver yeah. will always be a good example. It's one of the most expensive places in the world to live at uh, for what you get. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Um, so, and, and I mean, I, I, what does it bring more? So people need to really have two parents now or two, two adults working to pay mortgage and, and make needs. Uh, they're talking about like bringing up the minimum salary at $22 and 75 cents. Uh, I remember being here in 2004 when the salary was 575. I know. All right. It's, I remember it's 20 years ago. a $5 an hour job and it was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and now you're raising this. The problem that's going to come with this is other price going to go up. Right. Yeah. Uh, same as grocery and so on and so forth. Right. So there's a, uh, there's a lot of things there that we have to look because we are in a society we just talk about having stuff, mm -hmm. right? And we touched that just before pressing record. We're in Alberta, yeah. so big trucks, right? Uh, <laughs> the oil field, the oil, oil field is a big thing, and it works well. And the guys works hard. I'm never gonna take that away. But mm -hmm. the big, it's it's all big house, big thing. And and what is being happy? Right? Is it buying those stuff? I think that's superficial, right? And, and that's my own talk again. And I mean, right. you have a big truck, great. I mean, I, I did buy a freaking forerunner. Uh, I cannot go do a, off off road because my wife says I'm going to break it, right? Which I'm like, but it's, it's a forerunner. <laughs> it's meant for this. Or the off road. Uh, 
<laughs> yes. Um, it's like you have a Jeep and you don't have like those big tires. You, you need to go off road, whatever that is. But we are missing sometimes those parts, right? Because we're getting uh, dizzy with the, those purchases without realizing what it is. Um, people are just trying to fill that void, right? They're just trying to fill that void with stuff. Yeah. Because it's yeah. like we're lost. Like, And I agree with you on the communication thing. I work with some young people uh, between 18 and 21, and they can be on their phone, and they can text, and they can make Instagram posts, and they're easy that. But when you get them in front of a room to talk to people, they can barely read yeah. off a sheet because they're not used to talking to people. Or you get them on the phone, like you call them, and they don't know how to talk on the phone. They, they stumble over their words, they're nervous, they don't know what to ask for. It's like, but if I was asking you to text this, you would give me a paragraph. And they're like, well, yeah, that's how I communicate. I'm like, well, but you can talk. We need you to talk. Yeah. Right. It's, it, it, and, like, as well as, I mean, how can I say that? You know those keyboard warriors? Okay. And, and there's a bunch of them, right? Like, yeah. that's another thing, right? Like, we didn't have that. And, yep. and if something had to be dealt with, you got to speak or you got to you know, punch in the face or somewhere, um, yep. which it would clear off the conversation. Okay, we're done. Carry on. But now, because it's on the keyboard, it, it will last like weeks, months, because I freaking hate it. Did you just sit with the person? And, and that's the other thing, right? We are not welcoming different opinions. I don't care that you have a different different opinion. I will learn from you, and I want to learn, right? Mm -hmm. Same as um, whatever we're facing right now. Like, let's say we're talking about uh, the trends aspect. Uh, we're facing whatever the, the change of the educational system for the kids where, where sexualization is so high that liberal versus conservative, which Canada never been that, that polarized. No. If never. we're looking, it's been a long time that we're, we've been that polarized. We always been in the middle. Yeah. Right? Like, it, and it was, yes, it was conservative, was voted in or liberal. You were still in the middle. It mm -hmm. didn't matter. But, but now we, we really went into a system where we're pushing things where we need to hate people. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't want to hate people. Right? Like, I mean, it takes a lot of energy as well. Far right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's it's kind of a, you, you should, well, I mean, we can use the same words uh, to push things, right? Like if you want uh, to, to use the example of the vaccine, because it was just so perfect in Canada, right? It was mm -hmm. a small fringe minority was the word that was used. Uh, it was uh, bigots, people, and usually misogynistic if you're not vaccinated. I'm like, well, okay, I have a, I have a heart issue. I literally did have a heart issue. I couldn't get the vaccine. But if you look at my list of shot that I got in the military and prior when I lived in Brazil, I have four page. And we Jesus. all, like most of the military guys and gals, all have three or four page of vaccine because if you remember in the boot camp when the, the medics were coming with like two, three medic and they were just shutting your arms, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got all of them, right? So, yeah. uh, and I'm not a bigot because of that. I, I have health issues. I don't want to have a stroke. So, and now it was divided, right? It was full on division um, from from directly the leadership. Yeah. So it, you people didn't even care about what you had going on. It was they were told 
that you were wrong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it didn't matter. And that I found that the weirdest the, that was probably going to be the weirdest time uh, of my life. I, I I don't think we can see that. Again. I hope we don't see stuff like that again, because the yeah. the division went crazy. It separated families. It separated work colleagues, people that have been friends for oh, okay. years, all of a sudden wouldn't like each other because some media personality or government official told them they had to dislike this person because they didn't do what they said they had to do. Yeah. And I have a hard yeah. time with this because people are like, well, it's it was ethical. We have an ethical society and we have a moral society. Morals don't change. Morals are set in stone. Ethics yep. go with the wind. Like what I find ethical and you find ethical could be completely different. But I yep. should not yep. dislike you over it. I, I need to accept your point of view. But it should yep. be moral based. So, it should be based on the good of everybody. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think we see it even more in U.S. because the polarize is even like extreme. Uh, and I mean, talking with American friends, like it's it's very interesting because they're like, "Do you see what's going on in Canada?" And I was like. Yeah, I'm fully aware. <laughs> we live in it, um, live but like, I'm, I'm, I remember when my parents were they called me and they're like, "Yeah, we have to to be at home now at eight o'clock at night because Quebec had that right. They had a curfew, um, right, and they don't leave until six. My dad's like, "There's 800 old people living in the village where we live," and I'm he's like, I'm like, "You're part of them, by the way," but uh, he's like, "We cannot go walk outside." And I was like, "This is insane!" Like. What is it gonna do that you walk outside in an eight hundred person village? Nothing. Yeah, it doesn't even make sense. Like, even for your health, like I, I would love to know, like mentally, what's gonna do. Um, go. Uh, and I mean, we we could actually break that down like extremely, but it's punishment, right? When you were, uh, I mean, when you were uh, confined barracks, it was <sighs> not for your health. It was punishment because you were in trouble. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so fucked with your head. But and it, it 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 did like I think to a level that people were not prepared to because if you look at mental health now and although it's a fad I find that mental health and saying you have PTSD is a big fad uh, mm -hmm. I've heard it a lot in the the, the the policing aspect and not from police officer because only five percent in Alberta I think it's five point two percent of police officer will come and say I need help but it's also a men place like like the military right there's way more men. Men yep. don't speak, right? <laughs> and I think the military, we did speak to an extent because now we were confronted to be in, under the same roof for so so long, right? So you, you kind of break those barriers so you, you won't speak out loud into it's a, an officer that you have this and that. But in your little group of friends, yeah, the, the, the conversation goes a bit further down. Policing-wise, there's the stigma is extremely high. Um, and, and if they don't trust you, they won't come back you up. Right. Now yeah, it that's, becomes that's dangerous. scary. That is dangerous. Yeah. yeah, that's scary. But that's that's like the I, difference with the military, right? The military, you have double choice. Let's say you and I don't agree, and we have to dig a trench. You're gonna pull your weight. I have no doubt. We're gonna yeah. dig, dig that stupid trench. We might throw jokes back and forth because we have to work together, and that's just how it is. Absolutely. Versus the police, I, I was seeing it really as a civilian side of things. Oh, I don't want to go there because I don't trust the cop there. Oh, I, I don't like him. Or I don't like her. I've I've heard those things, and I'm like, but it doesn't change shit. Yeah, we're a team. 
uh, we're not a team. And I, I got told in the police, we're not a team, we're a line. They removed the word team in the groups. Wow. Right? Wow. So you're a line mate. Uh, so it changed everything. And I mean, you can't go further with this, right? Policing in Canada, have what they have uh, for promotion, it's called uh, negative example. So someone screw up, you're going to destroy their career. And I was one of them. Within six months, I, I was in the street. Huh. Uh, and I, I got told, like, later on, that's what's, what's going on. I got put into uh, further, uh, not supervision, but uh, probation uh, for right. having an Andy. Uh, and, I mean, Andy with the marksmanship that all followed things, camera was on and never lied, all was okay. But someone mm -hmm. went and got a promotion using me and destroying me that way. And I had to change from district because, I mean, the, the, the things that were said, I, at the end, I apparently had shot my foot with a shotgun in a police car. And, and my, my partner, when I switched to a different uh, district, they were like, okay, you got to tell me what happened because I heard this, this, this. I'm like, I'm missing foot. Like, I wouldn't walk. Yeah. <laughs> it makes yeah. sense. You uh, see the and, toes? and I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I followed what my senior officer said to me. And, I just took the blame for everything. But I know the same friend that happened with his, his, uh, his firearms, and he got a tap on the wrist. And that was it. Meanwhile, I had nine months of, uh, of probation and being told you might not go back and we might charge you with five counts of criminal. And, and I had to uh, get the lawyer of the association. He's like, he's like, it won't go there. But if it goes there, you'll be retired for the rest of your life. We're going to sue them. And I'm like, I just started the job. I, I left the military that I love so much for this. I don't want to be here anymore. Right? And this is what I mean by, you know, leadership is kind of missing as well. Uh, I, I strongly believe, and I mean, I worked for good people in the police. I'm not going to take right. that away. There's, I had good surgeon, I had good example of good cops. I've seen the bad cops as well, but the people I worked <laughs> with, they were good cops. Um, but it was nothing compared to who I work for in the military. Like I, I and again, I had the two sides of the military, and the bad and the good. And, and I've seen like in, in Borden, I've seen at the Pretzi, uh, when I worked in their office, shredding all the French people leave pass for Saint Jean Baptiste. Like they 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 give every Anglo's on Quebec Day a day off and the French people have to work. I've seen yeah. that, right? So I mean it's that's not great. Um but I think that the people I have faced as leader in the military were the attacks was better, the accountability was better, uh, and it was more a black and white mentality. Man, that's crazy because if you talk to people that are in, we like the military members feel like they're so hard done by, and briefly so, like the grass is always greener, eh? And myself, I always thought the the police force had it probably way wired tight better like you know having each other's back the the brotherhood of blue like you see in tv shows and you know what i i am naive towards that because it is just tv shows that a lot of us base what it is to be a police officer and yeah. and in that same caveat the the mental health you know for police officers is way better like you even go to uh like diehards and movies like that they were talking to to the head shrinks back in those days, like like in those movies in mm -hmm. the 80s and 90s. So you'd think, oh man, the mental health shouldn't even be a problem for police officers, and they they have each other's back. You know, they have 
that there's a strong bond of, of, of shared hardship. So military people feel like we're like, oh, we're, we're the hard done. We're the ones that are hard done by, but, but you, you are, you are right. We do have a lot stronger in the military, stronger bonds. We do have access to a lot of mental health resources and stuff like that. And like you're saying, I, I would never imagine having somebody tell me that VAC is better than what they have on the civilian side. Uh, how can I say that? I'm going to try to find a good way to explain it. And I'm sorry for the noise in the background. I close the door and the dog is just walking around. Um, so, can I, I'm going to look at it differently. Um, I sat in multiple type of peer support. And uh, mm-hmm. and we would compare, right? Like, you know, it will be the, the law enforcement or correctional guys or it will be paramedics. And we're all not happy. Right, because we're hurt, right? So, right. Um, and, and sometimes it's extremely hard to take the blame because you should take it. Right? It is not your fault what you've been exposed to, right? right. But it's your fault to re- like you need you need to recover. You need to want to. Uh, from I remember sitting in a place and the the guy was out I think from the the military in the eighties. He's like I tried everything and it doesn't work. And someone asked him, "What did you try? Coke, meth, prostitute, alcohol?" And I was like. <laughs> This is all things that don't work. Like I mean, I, I don't even have I don't have a PhD. I don't have a degree in it, but I know it's not working. And it, it yeah, won't that, work, that, right? That's the wrong um, path. Yeah, you, you give me all avoidance system. You didn't give me like mm-hmm. a process in it, right? Um, but I, I think I think we also need to to figure it out on our own. Like I connect with that person, therefore I'm able to open because that's the first thing. If you're not able to open to your psychologist or psychiatrist or Psychiatrist is different. Therapist, let's go with that. Then there's that fine one. Now, the trauma you gather is different as well uh, from first responder to military, right? Uh, most of the military, the trauma they're going to get, although if there's an accident where they do exercise or stuff like this, that's totally different, but it's overseas. Right. So when you come back here, the trauma is over there. It remains over there, right? Um, the day-to-day thing can make you react by all means that is you know you, you go to funerals and there's uh 22 gunshots or uh fireworks or whatever they can bring you back somehow um mm-hmm. the first responder the trauma is in the backyard yeah yeah right that makes sense um if yeah. you live like i live outside of the, the the city for a good reason i didn't want to arrest my neighbor number one um because I've seen friends who were stuck doing this and they had to move, right? Because they live in a condo building and three doors down, uh, they answered a domestic and they got to fight with that person. Now it's kind of awkward, right? Right. Um, but you're also learning everything that you should not know. What the society doesn't know and about your own city, where the bad guys are, where you shouldn't walk, where you... Like, I mean, I know in Calgary, there's a triangle. There's a place that we call a triangle. Because in those three streets that shapes like a triangle, guarantee you, you drive there every day, there's a solid car, at least one. And you're going to have at least probably five calls there a day. Like, it's a crook side, right? Like, it, it, it kind of hang out in the same place and so on. And it's the same people you deal with constantly. Yeah. Right? There will be that new person here and there. And there's a mental health case as well that you will answer where the system is overly saturated that they cannot help them. Um, and truly, we're not necessarily fully trained to to uh, 
really help them and leave how, the, their house, right? Uh, so going to the hospital with them is the best thing. But those are as well, like I remember a little, a little girl, I said little girl, she was 18, 19, uh, going to university and she was suicidal. So parents called us, we went to her uh, door room and she had a knife, a butcher knife beside her. And see with the knife away, convince her to uh, to go to the hospital with us. And, and it's mental health warrant that they call it. It's a form 10 in, in Alberta. Um, when we removed the sheet, because she was sitting in her bed, there was seven knives around her. Under the sheets. Right? So, like, if you're not aware, it can go south extremely fast. Um, right. And, and that goes for firework, uh, firefighters and, and paramedics. This, the only difference is they don't have the tools we have under around our belt, right? Uh, firefighters right. are a big groups, so usually it's different. But paramedics are two. And yeah. people are assaulting them. Like, it's insane. Uh, so, I think there's a different type of trauma right there. And I've seen it. Like, I've been to calls where my partner, she's like, I cannot walk in there. And I'm like, why? She's my hairstylist. Oh, okay, no. yeah. I, I, can't, I can't, right? So I cannot speak to, to that person there. Um, and then you have also, you realize how people are, I won't say moron, but they cannot speak, right? So they will call it domestic. And I, I've been there where, um, well, my wife did not put enough salt in my rice. So you call the cops. So, like, we're here for this. And, and there's probably someone who should be answered like, before you. But because it's a domestic call, we got to go ASAP. You have to because go. domestic is a big, big thing, right? Um, right. So, yeah. So there's a panoply of things that you open your eyes on what's going on, really. And, and I mean, you go to the hospital, you might be sitting there for another three hours waiting to have a bed for a person. And if they're volatile, yes. you hope that they make make them fall asleep, right? Uh, I, I mean, Calgary was known for people doing fentanyl and going to Timorans because they would die and there would be people there who wonder what the hell's going on and then revived. And then they would do it. That's insane. Like that. That's crazy that it it would become a trend. Yeah. yeah like that. Yeah. That's that's a harsh reality, and that's a lot of the things that people don't understand when they wonder why police officers, paramedics, firefighters are are getting the PTSD and the mental health issues that they are, because again, most people's uh, only time they ever see anything military or that is the news or TV shows. So they know soldiers are having it though. They see the combat footage over in Afghanistan, Iraq, or anywhere like that, or the Ukraine. So like, oh yeah, we, we accept that soldiers are getting it. Yeah. But we hide so much in Canada of what first responders actually have to deal with that people yeah. are like, oh, are, are they really getting it? Is it real? Like, it can't be that hard to do that job. Yeah. And like, from what you said, like this is crazy, and like this is Calgary. This is one of this is one of Canada's major cities, but it's not Canada's largest, right? This isn't Toronto. This no. isn't Vancouver, Montreal, where there's more. And yeah, John, like this is crazy. And, and then you have each province have their own flavor. That's the other thing, yeah. and and the law aspect, right? So Calgary right. has been Alberta has been punished a lot about DUIs. So there's a lot uh -huh. of DUIs that's been happening here. 
And then depending on the lawyers, they were able to just work on things and then it created a case, right? So which makes it that I personally did, I think the first year I was in the street, eight or eight to 10, give or take DUI's uh, report. None of them went to court. None of them. And, and I remember wow. talking to the Crown and the Crown was saying, well, they did not kill anyone. We don't have time for that. Jeez. But, and, and you have that reaction, but on the same way, you're like, okay, well, they're, they are busy. And they're not paid that great either compared to, you know, defense law lawyers. Um, so right. they take what they can and, and they take the big case and so on and so forth. And our system, uh, like we talked about it before, are helping criminals, not victims. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, I've seen, uh, uh, let, me, let me give you a simple example. Because I, I received a phone call from home while I was a cop. And my dad was telling me, he's like, okay, I'll tell you a quick story. Your grandma just kind of got fraud, frauded. And I was like, okay, what's going on? He's like, well, your, your aunt, who take care of her, um, signed up grandma for a card, credit card, and took one for her. And she filled up the card, six or $7,000 from poor family. So we all chipped for my grandma to have like a, a nice, whatever, left of her life. So she can be in a whatever uh, house now or whatever that is. Uh -huh. But $7,000 is a lot of money for someone who doesn't have money. Right? Right. And uh, he's like, what can we do? And I'm like, well, it's elderly abuse. It's actually fraud. It's, you know, there's theft and, and so on and so forth. There's various things you can go for. And he's like, okay, so what else do we need? I'm like, you need to have grandma to say that she's not agreeing with it. It's like, it will never happen. Well, I'm like, Canada works that if you don't have a victim, you don't have a crime. Right. And I think that's that's where it differs with U.S. U.S. can actually have uh, the officer can charge and yeah. just say this is not okay. The victim doesn't want to speak, but there's something here that has to be brought up, right? So obviously, at that point, in that case, nobody got charged because nobody knows, right? Yeah. My grandma will never set on fire her family, right? right. Which yeah. Yeah. sometimes it's good to keep people accountable. Agreed. Right. Uh, so the punishments are small and smaller, right? Um, I mean, Ontario is a good ways, and I'm, I'm, this is what I'm saying. There's good flavor sometimes. Um, Ontario cell phone laws. Okay, the first time you get arrested, uh, you get pulled over for cell phone. I think it's a thousand dollar, and you lose your car for a day or something like this. Okay, and your driver license. Second time is two thousand bucks. It's a week and something like this. Third time, I think it's three thousand dollar. And like you're losing your car, your driver license for three weeks or a month. Don't quote me on this, but it's it's a bit more serious. Right here, here it just went up. I think it's at five hundred dollars. If you talk on the phone or whatever that is. Uh, but now, like you go to court, and they want you to say the color of the phone, what else you saw, and so on and so forth. So they're overly protecting people and making the job harder. Same as the new yeah. laws where you're not allowed to gather intelligence. Well, we all know you work in the military, right? Intelligence, the, the, the guys who work in intelligence is what feed our uh, knowledge from far or, or yeah. whatever our enemies is doing, right? So now you're not allowed to, let's say, walk around and talk to a random person and say, hey, what's your name? I've seen you here before. Before you could. Now, if you do that, you can be sued or enter oh. in charge. Uh, 
So if you see someone who's awkward or different that you've never seen, you cannot write a report saying, I've seen that person. But you can't person. say suspicious person anymore? Nope. Wow. That, no, because that really... I've breached the rights. And that, that really ties the hands of, uh, yeah. of the police. That is insane. That, that doesn't even sound right. That is crazy. No, and it started, I think, in Toronto. And Ontario is when the first law was passed and the rest of the province followed. Um, but it's the same where we're, we're not allowed to, uh, as we said, not in Calgary, we're not allowed to chase cars, right? And uh, okay. so, so what we would do, right? Like, it was not black and white, but we would push the car outside of the city and RCMP would uh, spike them or right. hit them. Right, and then they would arrest them. But then they're stuck with all the job, and RCMP are missing. Like they need more people, right? Like they definitely. I'm losing, I, right? Like the, the territory that they have to use, like your backup is an hour away. You better know how to fight and speak properly, uh -huh. right? Because your backup's not around, and and OPP is the same in Ontario or SQ for Quebec. They have such a territory to cover. There should be more people in this. Like, I don't know if you fought before, but fighting for two minutes is a long time. It's a very long time. It's a very long time. It's a good workout. Yeah. I mean, you better yeah, do jiu-jitsu and something. Um, yep. <laughs> but, but when it comes to this, right, this is the point. So there's a system, I think, that has to be renewed on many levels. Right? And the mental health aspect has to be destigmatized and understand properly. Uh, the day that I, I, the last day of work that I had, uh, I went to, I was getting prepped up for a court regarding someone who had stolen an intimate picture from her cell phone of someone else. And, uh, and I broke down. Like I couldn't, couldn't breathe first, like first time I had like panic attack and so on. But my sunglasses, it was a cover day in Calgary, which doesn't happen. But uh, put my sunglasses, I'm like, they see a cop that's crying. It doesn't look good. For me. It's yeah. always the perspective of others, how they see me versus how I should feel that it was not normal. And uh, I went to see my boss and I couldn't speak to him. I tried to call. And I was kind of chopping off. And uh, I'm like, I'm going to send you a message then on my cat, my computer. Meet you at your office. He's like, yeah, I, I got to talk to you. Perfect. It's like you're not making jokes anymore. I was I used to be the, the funny guy who's like French police, what's going on? You know, and especially in Alberta, kind of break the ice yeah. pretty, pretty well. Uh and um and he's like, You're not making jokes, you're not happy anymore, you're angry. And I was like, and I cannot think anymore, I cannot do that job. I, I can't. And he's like, What are you talking about? Like, I cannot do this. It's insane. I'm 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 in pain. He's like, just Go to sleep, come back tomorrow morning. And, and I think that's the best he could do, right? That, that uh, in his training that he had, whatnot. Um, and he was a good, good supervisor by all means. But there's something to be taught, to understand a bit more. Uh, there's something to be talked about. I mean, we, we would meet at Timorin in the middle of the night and go talk about our things, right? Because right. You, you don't want to talk about it around other people. Like, I mean, from uh, uh, 18 months old being hung, like, you don't want to describe that when there's people around you. It's, it's, you don't want to traumatize them either. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, the, there's, there's that dark humor, right? Which 
the military has it. And I think we mock each other to a level of funniest thing that is crazy. Uh, the policing thing, it was different. I remember like one of my first partners, like, did you see how he blew up his head? And I'm like, no, come with me. It's crazy. And we would go and he's like, he didn't miss himself. Yeah, he has no head. Like, it's gone. Like, it's, it's a bye-bye, right? Um, but you would talk about it like feeling less because yeah. it's not the first one you see, right? And, and you've you got to make it almost sound normal to sleep at night. Right. And, but it's Yeah, it's you have not. to rationalize it somehow. And, and, and I, dark. Mean, I think, I think that, go ahead. No, 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 you go. I think the worst part that I, I faced for me was the kids, kids suffering. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I, I remember driving uh, 18, uh, 12 years old, 11 years old, Asian kid who for him, he was not enough for his parents, not brilliant enough. So he tried to hung himself with uh, his laptop uh, cord and obviously it was too heavy, it kind of did not work, but, um, but facing kids who are suffering like this, like at that age, that young age, mm-hmm. it, it's it's sad. It's a very sad world. Uh, I mean, because the you said it earlier, right? As kids, we were just not in that type of mindset. We were playing outside. Hell, I remember being in the woods and just wanting to get lost. Find me, yep. right? Uh, or building like building teepees. We're spending the night here. There's bugs. Who cares? <laughs> I'm gonna put a net. I don't know. I'm going right? to be. No, I, to, I agree. Uh, it was simpler when we grew so, up. We didn't have to be so connected to everything. Like our mental health was no. pretty safe. We were just hanging out with our friends. And, and, and there was different trauma, right? Like, I mean, you look at parents now, they barely touch their kids. Teacher are not allowed to touch you at all, which makes the job as well extremely harder, right? Because when you have a kid who has a pure crisis, you should be, as a teacher, able to take the kid, sit it down. But now that's yeah. that's that's a no go. Yeah, it's end of your job. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, same as uh, man. I answered a call where a kid called on his mom, called the cops on months. She took my phone, she took my tablet and my Xbox, and she looked at me and she's like, "He skipped school." And I was like, "Good, you did a good mom job." <laughs> You're not allowed to say that. I called you. I'm like, "You're 12 years old. You go to school." That's it. Yep, and, and I mean sometimes it's just in what world do we live, right? Um, I don't know. We're we're kind of missing. It's like the gratitude from kids is gone, and I see it with my child, right? Yep. Uh, I mean, Christmas he received I think thirty some gift because my in laws gave a lot of them. Great people. I just I'm trying to tell them like he doesn't need that much because he doesn't even play with them. He forgets. Uh, mm-hmm. but he would take a gift, open it next, next. And I'm like, did you see what it was? Yeah. It's a puzzle of what it's a puzzle that of what puzzle. And it's almost like it's, it's, it should be granted. Right. Where, yeah. um, okay, well I'm flying home next week. You're going to draw drawing for grandma and grandpa, and they're going to have it as a souvenir. And you're going to make an own little bracelet if you're because you're in the face of making bracelet with elastic. Um, and and you're gonna do this, and we're gonna give it. That. Why would I do that? Because they send you stuff as well. So yeah. you give, they give. You give, they give. It just goes like this. It's normal, and it's not necessarily just gratitude. Just 
be happy. Give them something that they, they remember of you, right? Um, we don't have that. I get worries. Slacking sometimes, right? But I don't think I'm AWOL as a parent, but as well as who your kids hang out with. It's true. What they're, are they exposed to? Like, are they exposed to Call of Duty at six years old? Maybe not the right thing to do. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it, it, and it's weird because they do point the finger at the parent, but honestly, with the amount of time we get to spend with our kids nowadays, like they're at school for eight hours and then extracurricular activities with their friends, they're exposed to so much stuff that we have no control over. But yet, when if the kid turns out a little rotten, the first person they point that finger at is the parent. Oh, they weren't there. They're absent. It's like, well, we weren't absent. You just didn't tell us what you're exposing them to. Yeah. Yeah. And now, I mean, I don't know if you heard the last speech from the NDP. Uh, who are in bed with liberals, obviously. Parents have no rights over their kids. Kids have rights. Oh, I know. That's insane. That's and wrong. I was like, where are we living? Right? But it's the same thing where Calgary had for the longest time that you cannot protest that uh, uh, trans are reading stories to kids. Like, they had, That's like, uh, it, was, it was now a bylaw in Calgary that you're not allowed to do this. To go against that. Um, I, I mean, have you ever seen a stripper telling stories to kids? No. No? Right? I, I've been to, like, bars at night where they have, like, the trans, uh, uh, the, 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 how you call it? the drag queens. Not trans, yep. not, it's not drag, drag queen. Sorry, wrong, wrong, wrong thing. Um, but, and I've seen the shows, and it makes sense. It's adult show it always existed. It's been freaking forever, <laughs> right? Where they, they, they uh, they dress just different, and that's it. And it's a, it's a show. But kids, why do we have to yeah. expose kids to such a sexuality, right? Yeah, because weird. that could be trauma as well down the road, right? Like yeah. I've seen videos in New York where, like, they have the little kids who are being grinded on by like adult male. That's um, weird. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. And then again, <laughs> if yeah. something bad turns out, it's the parents' fault. You well, gotta blame you know someone. You cannot, you cannot own it. Yeah, it's something you said earlier that uh, caught me off guard because I never thought of it that way. Um, when you're going in for some of this, this help, and they they ask you about your childhood, and I, I've talked to other people, and they get all mad, right? They're like, "Well, my parents are fine, you know, and they weren't perfect, but whatever." But that's not what I want to talk about. It's you know, yeah. this happened overseas. This happened here. Never once explained that you know. Maybe it didn't affect you then, but having some of the childhood trauma going into these situations made it, you know, they, they affected each other. Yeah, you, you know, and when you brought that up earlier, I, I wanted to mention something, but I've just been thinking about it. It does make sense, like what you're saying. And now if we are doing this to our kids, we're, we're giving them these things, these anchors, which maybe they're fine with now, but, but we don't really yep. know because we don't. We don't know, but yeah. what's going to happen 15 years down the road where, you know, they become the police officer, the firefighter, the soldier, and something happens and that triggers it. And now yeah. this childhood trauma that we force them into, like as these parents that are, that are making their kids do this stuff, all of a sudden now they, they shut down because something small happened in the future or big. And now they're, they're just, yeah. they're, they're done. 
right? Like it does make sense now why they do ask you about things that could have happened as a kid that even myself, I thought like, that's irrelevant. Like it doesn't matter, you know, if I got in trouble from my parents and, you know, I got put in the corner, like, what does that have to do with, you know, what I saw overseas? But you're yeah. right. It maybe it, it did have something to do with it. I just didn't know. So didn't that's interesting. Link. Yeah. It's interesting you brought that up because it's something I'm going to think about now. So, so I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, I truly believe my parents did the best they could. And, and I mean, again, they are both therapists or used to be. Um, mm -hmm. They did. They gave me the love they could give me. They gave me everything they thought that I was need, uh, needing at the time. Um, but throughout search and like inner search and so on, what I discovered is I was missing some of the bu the bucket. Uh, it was mm -hmm. necessarily a big thing, but let's say uh, uh, my dad would say, told me once, I think I was uh, six or seven years old, that I was a narcissistic kid. Uh, and, and now you would ask me how much stuff I get from Wired Differently. It's insane. People are like, you're, you're just crazy generous. And I'm like, I don't know. I just, I, I love giving. But what right. stems from it is you will never call me that again. Right? Yeah. So and, you know what? that makes sense. Yeah. Internally, internally, yeah, I just I I fill up that gap there. My wife gets mad. She's like, you're sending stuff. I'm like, people need care package. It needs to be reminded that they're they're still have a fight, they still have hope, they someone care. And and I I think this is the premise necessarily of, of why you're different from your now I have to say WD initiative, but um, just for, I don't want to be sued again. So uh, <laughs> that's another story right there. Uh, but anyways, out of that to say, I felt as a kid that I was not enough, right? So I had two parents who were, uh, I call them like specialists, specialists of the brain, but uh, they wanted me to take their business and I went as a military person, which for them, First, it's, it's Canada, so it's not a good choice. Number two, yeah. it was you're just a soldier, right? You don't have university, you don't have this and that, and it's so the feeling of not being enough was there for so long uh, mm -hmm. until I realized that I should be enough for me. It doesn't matter for who else after. But until you realize that you have those childhood trauma, this is the funny part, right? The inner child that has been hurt is the person who's going to protect you as an adult. So that's crazy. Yep. That makes my sense. Inner it does child, make sense. Yeah, it, it does. So because uh, what's your reaction that you have as an inner child? Well, anger, like you don't communicate well, scream crisis. Cause an adult who is balanced will speak an adult who's balanced going to communicate. What is going on here? How do I feel? How are we going to process? That's an adult thinking a child. Thinking is in process things the same way, right? If they have a crisis, a, a blowout, or whatever we're going to call it, this is exactly how we react. And when you look at then how you react to trauma at the beginning, right? Quite often it's scream, anger, you know, like frustration and, and so on, so on, rage. Um, yeah. And I, I know I realized personally that was my inner child. Now I had, and it's going to sound maybe more crazy, which is fine, I am. Uh, I had to tell my inner child uh, that he's safe now. And that my adult person internally was, did not need to be protected by my inner child. 
right. the adult was now protecting the inner child. So the, the trauma as a kid kind of dissipated and it removed a lot of trauma and nowadays that I have because I dealt with the roots of it. Um, okay. which is the other thing. You need to you need to be dealing with this. because uh, if not you're in the same circle. The other thing is I believe that we deal with the trauma that our parents did not deal with. What do you mean? Well, um, we don't fall off far from a tree. Okay. Right. So if if I'm looking at and it might be just in my my case that it works, but I'll put it that way. My dad went through his stuff at 43 years old. I went through the same shit at 31 or 32 years old. That's when I started to really go down. Um, so I caught myself earlier than he did. Right? And right now, what I make sure is I'm going to be fully out of this so my son doesn't go through it. The older one. Because the older one saw me. Uh, and, and that's more personal, but I'm going to put it there. Uh, the 18th of September, and I remember like it was yesterday, I had to call back and ask for help. Not for me. My son of five years old at that time told me that he wanted to be killed. Uh, and, and I mean, I never, like, did I spank my kid? I did. Did I scream when I was sick? I did. And what he mm -hmm. was telling me is, you know, dad, when, he, when I was three years old, and he has a very clear memory of everything. It's like you were screaming a lot. And uh, he's like, I just want to be killed. I don't want to be here. Uh, and as a dad, it was, it was a hard one. Uh, yeah. But I realized then that I affected his life for sure right there. Right? So uh, to involve VAC for, you know, I need support. I need someone who's going to help my kid there because he's, he's has a full effect of, of how angry I was. Um, right. And he's an angry kid. Like, because uh, he saw me, I guess, screaming and being so angry. When something doesn't work well, that's how he is. He screams, right? So now right. it's rebuilding that kind of memory, muscle memory that for him, when he's angry, he needs to scream. Okay, well, we're going to build a language. It also keeps me accountable for me speaking when I'm angry, right? Uh, yeah. I think... I think at the beginning of Wire Differently, I wanted to help a lot of people because it made me serve again. And that was extremely oh, yeah, important. Yeah, this, absolutely. Right? Uh, same as this podcast. It helps people. It's fantastic. It's, it's exactly what we sign up for. We sign up to help yeah. people. Um, and when I got told you cannot wear a uniform, I was like, where am I? What am I? Because that's all I know. Serving is, is what I do. Uh, so Wire Differently was perfect. I could support people. What I also realize is if I'm not ready to support me, how am I be? Uh, how can I be helpful, helpful for someone else? Yeah. And, exactly. and, and not only that, then I'm a fraud as well because I'm not able to heal me, but I'm trying to heal you. So I had to take a step back, and, and I've done it. I think a few times. If you look throughout the the wire differently, whatever posting, there will be probably once every six months where I'm like, okay. I'm taking a week off of social media because yep. it's giving it's giving you a toll. Uh, because I'm, I'm not a therapist, break. so yeah, I need a break. And because I jump in the pool, right? You're my buddy. Yeah. You're suffering. I feel that, and I want to help you. Uh, I, I, I'm, I, I take your side, hundred percent. You know, um, so keeping myself accountable on my own health was another thing that I discovered later on. Because if I were just helping others, I can tell you my, my relationship was going south. 
here. Yeah. Because I was taking care of people that could join online. I was not helping me. So I was not changing at home. I was not communicating be better and, and so on and so forth. And there's some stuff that are not easy to speak of, right? If we were not able to speak about our own trauma, when it's time to speak to your spouse about things that you're afraid not to hurt her or her being right. or him being traumatized and they go through the same problem. Like I know a lot of guys and gals who don't speak about what they see during work time because they don't want their spouse to be hurt. But right. your spouse needs to know because they will see the, the change in you that you have. Right. And hmm. the other challenge that comes with this, with we kind of tend to forget because we, we have a diagnosis. They don't. When you, let's say, are mostly recovered. Let's, let's go for a number like this. 90% of, of whatever our issues are recovered. You change. You're not the same anymore. True. Now, what we don't talk True. about is your spouse needs to fall in love with that. And it can be someone that she never wanted to marry. Yeah. Um, I know she told me that. She, she told me one day, she's like, I don't know if you realize, but I have to fall in love with you and I don't know who you are. And, I, and oh. it kind of made me panic. I was like, yeah, well, I'm, I'm still the same awesome guy. Way to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. And we forget our spouse. We totally we forget about them. Um, hmm. and, and they're the one, you know, I love our brotherhood in the military. We can, uh, someone you will serve with, would call you three years later, you have not seen them, you would give your hats off, you give your jacket to them, so on and so forth. Count that in. But there's someone who sees you even more than them, than that brotherhood. And that's the person you live with. Yeah. Right? The, the person who's going to see you, because in between us, even if we're sick, we're going to still make jokes around, we're going to deal with it differently. She's the one, or he's the one who see you breaking down at home alone when you have no energy for nobody especially yourself. She's right. the one, he's the one who, like, I, I had to picture that one day where how much she had to suffer through it to see the person you love so much suffering and you cannot do anything. And, and you don't recognize them in that sickness either. Right? And I, I will always say, uh, PTSD is not a reason to piss poor behavior. Right? Right. Uh, it, this is not the reason. If you have a piss poor behavior, it's because you have a piss poor behavior. It's because you chose to do that. Right? Yeah. And, and, and quite often, hurt people, what they do, they hurt people. Yeah. Uh, they want everybody right? else it, to feel It's just how it is. Yeah. You don't want to be alone. My dad used to say, and in French it sounds better than English, but an asshole doesn't want to be alone. And, and it's true. So the asshole will make you feel like an asshole. So they're, so you're, you're not, you're not alone in that shittiness because at one point you have to be aware of how you are with people or unless you, you wear your blinding, your blind eyes are constantly. Right? Uh, so, so this is the other part that I, like, I'll give you a good example and that's personal again, but I think it's, it's kind of worth it if someone can uh, associate to it. For probably a good year, I did not have uh, any intimate relationship with my wife. And it's not because she doesn't please me. No, it's not. It's I had erectile dysfunction. So instead to tell my wife, uh, machine does not work because my brain is, is broken right now or is injured. Right. Uh, I just, uh, I, oh, I don't feel like it today. You know, like the, the, I have a headache. 
fuck all that. Um, so she yeah. thought that I was not interested into her. I was not desiring her. When truly, what the real, the, the, the real aspect was, I was so ashamed that I, mm-hmm. in my early 30s, I cannot get a heart on that I would invent whatever reason, maybe. Um, and, and then when, as, as the PTSD got recovered, things restarted to work uh, and so on and so forth. But the amount of suffering she had to go through for a year where we both didn't talk about it was way bigger than I, ex- I could expect. Um, so the communication is a big thing. I think, I think it's actually the first step. You've got to talk. Mm-hmm. And, and that is you not to that. a therapist, talk to a friend. That's a good point. That is good. Wow. John, this has been an amazing talk. Um, honestly, we've got to do this again. We've sure. got, we've hit a lot of really good points and stuff like that. And I, I don't want to end it, but I got to end it. Yeah. So final thought, what is your final thought to give to people that are struggling? Don't give up. I, I think, Two things, two levels for that, okay? So for the one who think about suicide, because it's, it's the black beast, it's the black horse, it's, it's that pain that you want to quiet down. Because I don't think that people who want to commit suicide wants to stop their life. They want to end the pain. At least that's how I, I felt it when I was suicidal. Um, don't give up. There's a light at the end of that the tunnel. For the one who suffer just that trauma aspect, keep pushing because there's way more brighter days that's going to come ahead. It might not look like it, but they're there. Um, and for the one who witness their surrounding suffering, speak. And sometimes you've got to speak for them. Uh, I know my wife did it for me for a while. She had to decode my language that I had and kind of voice it um, but it comes down to communication speak that is the odd friend that friend that you see that again doesn't make the jokes anymore that friend who doesn't show up on time but was always 15 minutes prior that person probably needs that hey buddy right um, and if you're the one suffering push you've been through war you've been through traumas You've been through a lot. The only reason right now why it's so hard is because you don't see a light. Okay. Um, right. So let's find it. And, and I mean, uh, reach out to me. That is on WD Initiative. That is on my personal account, account John, just John Archambault. We'll talk. And if it's not a fit for me, I'll find you someone else. We're there in it, right? Uh, I think we signed a, a bond with the military a long time ago. But that will stay. You sign one day, you, you're in it. You're in it for real. Nice. That is first responder as well. As well, uh, it works. In, I'll go further than this because I'm sure you have civilians who just listen to you as well. You podcast. Yep. It also work for you guys. Um, there's no comparison of yeah, but your trauma are bigger than mine. I don't give a flying fuck. Trauma is trauma. Pain, pain is trauma. pain. Right, yeah. and, and, and suffering is suffering. It, it's the pain is the same. What you've been exposed is different, but we're suffering the same pain, right? Uh, there's too many people who compare trauma. There's too many people who yeah. compare stuff. There's no dick measuring. 
right? It, it's just pain. And we, we all want to feel better. So it, it might be rude, right? Uh, no, it, I think it's that's on point. Is. Yeah. All right, John, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, brother. Yeah, man. Have a good night. You too. That was an amazing talk. Um, and before I let you guys go, I think I got a stoic gem here. It kind of be the icing on the cake for this episode. It's not that we have a short time to live, but it's that we waste much of it at Seneca. Whereas remember, your mental health and your well-being is key. Without that, you're never going to be able to get off the X. Without that, you're never going to be able to enjoy the life that you deserve for all that you've sacrificed and all that you've built and all that you've done in your careers and all you've given to the communities. If you don't take that time to find that balance and to find that help, you're never going to get to experience what you deserve. You're, you're never going to know the fruits of your labor. Let's say it like that. All right. All right. I'll leave you. I'll leave you at that. So remember you guys, if you'd like the Viking psychology podcast, follow us on Instagram, like, and subscribe to us on YouTube, share with your friends, share means more than you'll ever know. Stay connected, stay resilient and stay Viking strong. <laughs>